It was 2005 when Shauna and I moved out of our mud hut in South Sudan. I had heart damage at the time that God miraculously healed. I praise his name. And we transitioned uh, back to the States um, with kind of eyes wide open with such a massive jump from the mud hut world in a village of 600 in South Sudan uh, coming to Houston. And before I knew it, the crackberry came on the scene. Do you remember the blackberry known as the crackberry? And it was all the rage. And I remember I had this friend named Kevin, and he kept telling me, you've got to get a blackberry, you've got to get a blackberry. And I thought, what, what do I deserve, you know, how, how do I deserve to have a, a blackberry? I, I picture the guys on Wall Street running around with their with their blackberries, but he just kept telling me, you got to do it, got to do it. And so eventually the day arrived with his encouragement, and, and I picked one up, and it was unbelievable. I could not fathom that a phone could do what a BlackBerry could do. I was coming off of my LTG flip phone and rather loving it, but here was this phone with all these buttons. You could type messages, you could do emails, you could look up stuff on the internet, and I could check sports scores and all kinds of things, and it just blew my mind. I quickly found out why it was called the Crackberry, because suddenly you could work from wherever you were, but I thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And then one day, Shauna told me she was interested in this device called an iPhone. And at the time, Blackberries were kind of like the business type, you know, and iPhones were maybe more of the creative, and she wanted to pick one up. And so eventually, uh, we did, and she began showing me what her iPhone could do in the touch screen and how you could pinch it and zoom in and out and the pictures that it took and the media and and it was just way faster than my BlackBerry. And the next thing you knew, my BlackBerry wasn't worth all that much. And I began to fall in love with their iPhone. And I thought it was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. And, and then it became, if you needed to take a picture, hey, can you hand me my phone to take a picture? What world do we live in when your phone takes a picture? And I was just blown away by all the capacity of the iPhone. And to this day, the iPhone just keeps getting better and better and better and uh, the next thing you know we're just gonna be able to think something and the iphone's gonna do it and it is incredible to me how for a period of time the blackberry was the most amazing thing i'd ever experienced and then suddenly i tasted of the iphone and never thought of the blackberry again i don't know how it's been for you since you came into this journey with Jesus, if you're a believer and a, a follower of his. But for me, when I ran headfirst into Jesus, when I surrendered my heart and life to him at 14 years old, when I fell on the ground and just laid everything before him, my life radically changed. There was a presence of the living God in me. I began to experience a joy and a hope and a peace like I never had before. And I was experiencing a new life, life in a new way with him. It was like my encounter with the Blackberry. It was something I never dreamed would be possible that, that suddenly was taking place in my life. It was as if I went from black and white to color. It was like everything just came, came on fire. And not overnight. It wasn't like I just woke up and it all happened. But 
But day by day by day, as I kept spending time with him, reading the Bible and praying and worshiping and journeying with, with the church and family of God, things just increasingly that caught fire. But then I would have these iPhone experiences. I would be with someone who was praying with someone who was sick, and they'd be radically healed. And suddenly I would deeply desire that. You mean I can pray and God can heal someone? That was an iPhone experience. I would be with, with someone who modeled radical generosity. Where I, where I had grown up thinking just giving away 10% was kind of what we did. I'd be with someone who would give away 10, 20 or or 30, or I would just see them give away a car, or, or give away a significant, sizable possession. I would be with some of the poorest people on earth who seemingly were giving half of what they owned, and it just blew my mind. It was an iPhone experience. I didn't want to any longer to stay in my BlackBerry world. I craved that. I wanted the, the fullness of what was there. I would be with, with someone who would pray in tongues and somebody else would interpret and God would speak and move. And it was like those pages of the scripture were coming to life. And previously I'd only read about it in my Blackberry world, but now in the iPhone world I was experiencing it. And it was like fireworks were going off and over and over and over again. In my journey with Jesus, there was this Blackberry experience of now I'm a follower of Jesus. Now I get to experience what typical Christianity is like until those days when I have an iPhone experience and the scripture itself comes to life. So many of us have long been caught up in a cultural Christianity, a traditional Christianity, a typical Christianity. And it's easy to do. It's just what happens when this, when we follow Jesus together and we just gradually drift from the scriptures into what's comfortable. And it's comfortable to come to church and it's, it's comfortable to, to maybe give a little bit and maybe it's comfortable to pray uh, before meals. Maybe it's comfortable to share our faith, not too much, but just every uh, once in a while. And maybe it's comfortable to, to kind of pray for healing, but not, not pray too long because God may not do it. And we don't want to be, you know, we don't want it to reflect badly on God. And, and so there are all these things, sort of a hedge that we build around our Christian experience. And that's a cultural, a, a sort of cultural or, or typical Christianity. I sort of call it a Blackberry Christianity. But my experience with God has become supercharged every time that grid has been shattered. The moment that I experienced healing or someone hearing from God in a really powerful way, prophetic words spoken when I never witnessed that before. Someone walking in utter humility that just blew my mind or just radical uh, hospitality or, or generosity or any number of things that would just reflect God in a way I'd never seen before. And it, it broke through that cultural Christianity. What I experienced, I so badly wanted. I want the Eiffel Christian. I don't want to settle for something that's less than all that God has. And if the iPhone is what God has for us, I don't want to be stuck over here on my Blackberry. It's great. I'm thankful for it. But I don't I don't want to settle for that. I want something more. 
And so from the beginning of our journey with Hope Church, we've talked about normal Christianity as biblical Christianity. As Grant said earlier, we want to be an authentic reflection of biblical Christianity. We want to open the scriptures and just taste of that. I don't know if you have that happen to you when you're reading through the scriptures and you get to your daily reading and you're going through and you just, you crave it, you want it. I so badly want to experience all that God has for us. Not the things of this world, not the trappings that hold us down, but the fullness of the scriptures. I want something more. And I deeply, deeply crave that. I'm not satisfied with the Blackberry. I want that iPhone experience. If that's what God has, I want it. And I've realized long ago that my life in so many ways is subnormal compared to a biblical Christianity. So if this is normal, if the scripture's Christianity is normal, and I think it is, and I'm guessing you would agree, then what I've long experienced in so many places is a subnormal Christianity. And so what we're going to experience in the coming weeks as Steve and I walk through this series together is is another look at what normal Christianity looks like. And week by week, we're going to take various topics um, through the book of Acts, through the early church experience, and just say, what did it look like for them? Tonight, it's going to be joy. What did it look like in, in normal Christianity? We know what joy looks like in the world. We know ways that people try to chase after joy, even people of the church and how they might chase after joy. But but how can we be inspired away from a BlackBerry version of joy to an, to an iPhone version of joy? Now, I want to say something really clearly here. The goal of, of the next several weeks as we explore this together is hopefully to, to just satisfy the craving of your heart and mind for the fullness of all that God has. It is not in any way intended to, to beat us up, to make us feel down or or like we're, we're failing in yet one more way. It is not in any way intended to make us feel like we're not as loved by God or not as cared for by God or, 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 or that uh, somehow we're just getting beaten down. If you've got the, the Blackberry, that's an amazing gift. But if the iPhone is out there and it's better, you want to crave that. And so this is our opportunity to say, what does it look like for us to experience more than we have in the area of joy or the area of generosity? And we, when we pray for, for healing or walk in the spiritual gifts, when we do battle against spiritual warfare or give generos- generously, what does it look like for us to really walk in the fullness of all that God has? And I'm praying and Steve is praying that what God will, will give to us in these coming couple months through this summer will be an opportunity to really examine the scriptures and see what that biblical foundation looks like. Culture is always going to push us one way or another. Whatever your church tradition is, whatever you came from, whatever your cultural tradition, your ethnic tradition, the places that you've lived, your context, your background, all those things are going to frame the way that you think and, and I think, and they'll, it, it, they'll frame the way that we perceive God and, and who He is in our lives. But our goal is not to be caught in the trappings of culture, but really press into the fullness of the Scriptures. Have you noticed how... How all the way through the centuries, 
Church experience has shifted back and forth with culture. Even theology will shift back and forth with culture. But the scriptures are our guidelines, straight and true, the same. They have been the same for 2,000 years. And they're here to guide us into the fullness of truth. So as we consider joy today, I did a search through the scriptures on joy, especially the New Testament. One asked that question, as Jesus came, so through the Gospels, and after he came, so through the book of Acts, and into the epistles and in John's book on the end times, the book of Revelation, what did joy look like? It's a great exercise. If you want to know, how do I battle anxiety? Just look up anxiety all the way through the scriptures and just read one passage after another. If you want to know about money or whatever you want to know about, it's a great way to consider it. So listen to this with me, if you will. Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Have you ever noticed that joy is the second fruit? I don't know if there's significance in that or not, but it's striking to me that it comes right after love. There's love, and then there's joy. There's something about normal Christianity, what God can call us to, and just living out joy. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is who we are. This is what we walk in. I love Josh's testimony earlier and just how he'd experienced this move. And God, he could just feel this joy that he was walking in as God was doing his work in him. That's the kingdom of God. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. 2 Corinthians 7, 4, I'm acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort in all our affliction. I am overflowing with joy. James 1, 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of many types. So the scripture is out for us that in, in normal Christianity, you and I can walk in joy. The world is constantly trying to get us to chase joy in other ways, isn't it? Whether it's uh, coming from um, just finding that a really good food or a vacation or, or getting a car that you really like or the promotion you want or maybe finding the right person to marry or having the right uh, number of kids or, or whatever that is that kind of defines how we'll experience joy. And in, in many ways, that's God's blessings. It's, it's the fruits of, of the great gifts that he gives us. And when we experience joy in those things. Hopefully we're experiencing joy ultimately in God who gives those things to us. But we're encouraged in the scriptures, even in the times of trials, we're counting it all joy. Colossians 1.11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. They were praying this over one another. They would walk in joy. 2 Corinthians 1.24, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Isn't that powerful? Paul's saying our goal as we disciple you and journey with you is to raise you up in joy. Should be one of the greatest things for each of our discipleship group leaders and home group leaders here at Hope Church as we're plugging into those times together. Each of our discipleship group leaders can be praying over the discipleship groups that each person will be raised up in increasing joy. 
that they will finish the semester or finish the year with greater joy than they had before as they're tasting of more of God and, and experiencing more of who he is. That joy just surfaces. Philippians 1.25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. Listen to this. For your progress and joy in the faith. Paul is saying his explicit purpose is their progress in the faith and their joy in the faith. Joy is such an essential part of what God has for us. And isn't that great news? It sort of blows away the stereotype of this sluggish Christianity. Sort of this, sort of this stifling, old, stale journey with God. We're just following a system, system of rules and, and just doing the things that you normally do. And instead, the Holy Spirit just wants to blow that out of the water and allow us to experience true joy. Think with me, if you will, about the, the godliest people you've ever met. And then think with me about the, the happiest, most joy-filled people you've ever met. And my guess is they will be the same. So often, what you're going to find is the godliest of people are also the most full of joy. They're experiencing such joy in God. They're not so caught down by the things of this world, but they're walking in Him in such a powerful way. I love how we hear this in Jude chapter 24. Now to Him, this is to God, now, this is a blessing, now to Him who, who is or sorry, a verse of worship. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Have you thought about that? When, when Jesus comes back and we rise to meet him, it's with joy. When we stand before God in heaven on that glorious day, it's with joy. Every encounter where we come before God is draped with joy. There's just this overflowing joy that encompasses us. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. How do you find the greatest of joy? It's in God himself. So subnormal Christianity is that idea of maybe coming to church on Sunday, maybe experiencing some joy together with the family of God, but, but getting weighed down uh, during the week with a million different things that are going on and maybe not tasting as much of that joy that would be found in, in that time in the Word or that time in prayer, that time in, in worship, just in the presence of God where His joy ministers to us. In the midst of the, the trials or the, the hardships that we go through, there's just that, that joy that pervades us. And, and when we pray, we're praying for it. God, we just fill us with joy. We let our joy be, be set aside. I, I, I want to say this. Radical joy is one of the most greatest witnesses for Jesus. Because it's hard to find people that walk in true joy. I mean, I know there's one thing that you see on Instagram and maybe Twitter and, and Facebook. Anybody can make it look like their life is joy. But I'm talking about true joy. Just that pervading joy. Joy, but you know it when you see it. If you're around a coworker who truly walks in joy, you want to know why. If you've got a family member that just has joy just oozing out of them, you want to know where that comes from. It's one of the greatest witnesses that any of us can have. I've never seen greater joy in my whole life 
than from those who walk with Jesus. So if you're with me in Acts chapter 8, with this framework of joy, let's take a look at the book of Acts and what joy was looking like as the early church was walking in this normal Christianity that we are aspiring to. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So there is a persecution that had come on the church. And as that persecution came, people left Jerusalem. And wherever they went, they began to preach the word. I love this. This is another significant part of normal Christianity, that wherever we go, the greatest news of all time is coming out of us. You know wherever you go that the greatest news is just going to flow. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. I love how Billy Graham used to say that every time he spoke, he tried to make a beeline for the cross. It's the greatest news of all time. We want to know and be able to share about how God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, a perfect sacrifice, the only one who had ever lived a perfect life, to take upon himself the punishment that I deserve and you deserve, the sin in which we've walked, to take that away from us, to allow us to come into a relationship with God himself, because Jesus stood in the gap and took what we deserve. So if we believe in him, if we trust in him, and if we follow him with all that we have, we can be saved from our sin and saved from that punishment, and we can have eternal life with God. So Philip went to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now the people in Samaria were hated by the Jews. They were from the northern kingdom. If you know any of the history of the Old Testament, how there were 12 tribes who formed Israel, but then you had the sin of Saul and David and Solomon, and then the tribes were ripped away uh, from Solomon and his son Rehoboam, only retained uh, Judah as the other tribes uh, went to the north into the area that eventually became known as, as Samaria. They went into exile from the Assyrians in 729 B.C. And what you were left there was just this mixture of the former Jews and former Gentiles uh, who were there. They married one another. They became mixed. Even the, the religion of that place was a bit mixed. In some ways, it resembled Judaism. In other ways, it didn't. So Jesus went and proclaimed to them the Christ, the Messiah. Now, this was not the Messiah that they were expecting, but they were expecting a Messiah. And he proclaimed Jesus. The crowds, verse 6, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. That's another radical part of normal Christianity. I can't wait for Steve and I to get to unpack that. Whether you all appreciate it or not, that is pure joy for me and I know for Steve to get to, to consider what the Scripture has to say to us about normal Christianity and the power of God. God loves to pour out His power when His gospel is being proclaimed. He loves to do radical signs and wonders, incredible miracles to affirm that what is being said is truly from the living God. Verse 7, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. 
This incredible move of God, just this unbelievable outpouring of his power when Philip showed up and immediately began proclaiming the greatest news of all time. And God immediately began moving by his spirit. People are getting healed. The demons are flying out of people. And what happens? Verse 8. So there was much joy in that city. How do you know when you've experienced the fullness of what God has for us? It just leaves joy in its wake. Everywhere that person goes, walking in normal Christianity, joy follows. Everywhere that church goes, walking in normal Christianity, joy follows. You see joy touching the people who have an encounter with that person or with that church. There's just joy that rubs off because the presence of God himself is joy. I love this study that so many of us have been on as we talked about last week, this encounter with a God who's gentle and lowly. And for so many of us, it's just profound that that's who God is because it's different than the preconceived notion that we have. And I think we could add on to that today and say not only is God gentle and lowly, but God is joy. He's joy. That's who he is, and that's what he loves to pour out on us, not the cheap joy that we often settle for in this world, but this deep, abiding, lasting joy that just penetrates all that we have. Not a Blackberry version of joy, but an iPhone version of joy that just shatters all that we have, and fills us like never before. I love Acts 13, another passage, normal Christianity passage, talks about joy. When the Gentiles heard this, verse 48, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. You notice the same pattern. Persecution fell, but they just kept moving, and they just kept proclaiming the greatest news of all time. And verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Horrible things were happening. Persecution was breaking out, and they were full of joy. You just can't help it when the presence of God is filling you in such a powerful way. That joy just comes with it. When I read these passages, I so deeply crave it. I'm reminded of those times when, when I have felt that joy that I know is from God. And I'm reminded of those times when I lost that joy. When I was consumed with the things of this world. And, and I lost that joy. And I, I want that. I, I don't want to settle for some sort of lesser version where... I'm not experiencing the fullness of the presence of God and, and all that he has. I want to perpetually taste of that joy. So I don't know where you are tonight and how you are in your journey into the fullness of joy of all that God has. But I hope it's an encouragement. And I hope it's a deep desire that you and I can feel not to settle for the Blackberry version of joy but God, will you give us the fullness 
of all that you have. Let me ask you to stand and our prayer team and our music team to come. We're going to have our team up front up here. And if you're a guest uh, with us or a covenant member with us, we want to encourage you and invite you warmly to come for prayer. Maybe just hungry for more of God. Maybe you just want the fullness of all that he has for you. Maybe it's in the area of joy or, or maybe it's in any other area. We want to encourage you to come. Maybe you're battling something relationally or something physically. Maybe it's a spiritual attack that you're under. Maybe you've never walked with God before and you're wondering what it looked like to have a relationship with him. Anything you'd like to talk about or, or pray about, it would be our honor, our privilege. We believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God who so radically moved in the pages of the scripture, who worked so many miracles, is still doing the same today. And we would love to pray for you. Father, thank you for the privilege of this time to be able to consider your scriptures and all that you have for us. We are hungry for you. Father, we pray that you'd move in this time as we, as we sing now and as we pray that your spirit just rests on us in, in such a powerful way that you would do the fullness of all that you have in us. And God, will you just surface joy, I pray, that as we, as we leave tonight, what we would be feeling is your love, your peace, your healing, and your joy. I pray that wherever we go in the days to come, your joy, your joy would just fill us. We're hungry for you, God. We just lift us into all that you have. We love you. We pray you move right now for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.